Good evening. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Enter freely and of your own will. In this episode, you may find many strange things, for the films to be discussed are old, and they have many memories. So, be there. Be there. This live tribute to Riku Browning was hosted on March 4th, 2023 by Ian Bates, curator of Universal Studios Monsters on Instagram. He's joined here by Jim Towns of the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast and Austin T. Hill of Universal Monsters Universe. We now present Riku Browning, a celebration of life. We're back. Wow, it has been a minute since we've done an episode of We Are the Monsters. I I know I didn't really uh, present this as an episode of We Are the Monsters, but I feel like, if anything, this is 100% the biggest episode of We Are the Monsters that we've probably ever had. So this is going to be a super special night. We've got some awesome guests. Um, Let me see. I think we've got some people... Calling in now. Let's see. Waiting on Jim and let's see. Jim should be getting in here shortly. We weren't a hundred percent sure, but I can confirm one hundred percent that our good friend Austin Hill from uh, Universal Monsters Universe he is also uh, going to join us tonight. So we've got a three-way chat. We're all here to honor the memory of Riku Browning. Um, I've got the movie on. That's what this light is coming from. So give me just a minute. And I'm invited. I just sent you an invite, Jim. So that should be coming your way. Awesome. Here we go. Sideways. There we go. There we go. What's up, buddy? What's up? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Give me a second. I'm just going to try and get this thing situated. Sure. Absolutely. Marina, how are you doing? Glad to see so many uh, familiar faces joining in. Kat just joined in. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, th- th- this is going to be a really big night. And uh, I think we'll do some introductions in a little while. But I just want to kind of start off by saying I've been hosting this account and this page for almost four years now. And we do some live videos. Um, actually, the last time I went live was with you, Jim. Oh, that was, was that back it? in like, that was June 2021. It's been a long time, I, yeah. I break something? We haven't done it. <laughs> I figured we'd pick it right, right back up with you. Yeah, so, um, yeah, okay. So we're, um, this is, uh, this feels really important. And I was kind of talking yeah. to Jim earlier tonight and uh this is this is a big deal and to me when i started this account it was more of a a way of me keeping track of watching these films and um kind of re-watching these films and like i said i started it in 2019 and it's about honoring the legacy of not only the films the filmmakers the actors 
the producers, the directors, uh, the makeup artists, everything that went into making these films. Uh, I, I just feel like, like it's, it's somewhat of our responsibility to kind of carry the torch. Um, you know, these like uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame is 100 years old yeah. this year. Yeah. That's like a century yeah, yeah. ago. And that's what started the Universal Monsters. Um, so 100 years later, and we just lost Riku Browning. Um, so I immediately thought of a way. It, it's been a long time since I've done one of these live videos. And I was like, what would be the most appropriate way to honor uh, the memory of this guy, of this awesome man? So it popped in my head. I was like, let me ask a few people. I asked Jim. I asked Austin. Um, and uh, so I think we're just going to dive right into this. So, uh, Jim, you want to tell us, our viewers, a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay. Yep. First. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Hey, guys. I'm Jim. I'm the host of the Borgo Password Podcast. We're here on Instagram as Borgo Password Podcast. Obviously, we're over on Facebook as well. Um, we, uh, we've been going since 2021. We've got about 60 episodes. We do deep dives into classic uh, universal horror, universal monsters, uh, some stuff from other studios like, uh, well, well, we just did uh, Hound of the Baskervilles. Uh, yeah. uh, Ian, right? Which was the Century Fox He's one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're, we're, we do the Val Loon movies for RKO. We do, um, you know, Island of Lost Souls and, and some, some other stuff too. But we mostly focus on Universal um, and Universal Monsters, that 30s to 50 era. Um, and we just did our, we're, we don't go in totally chronological order of the release of the films, but I, we held up in our last episode about one of the big eight um, to, to, to cover was Creature from the Black Lagoon. And we, that came out last month, uh, just, just last month. It was unbelievable. And we, uh, Livio uh, Marino is my co-host um, uh, for most of the episodes. And he and I were, you know, just in the course of talking about the episode, we were talking about how, you know, Rico Browning was, is, at that time was the last living universal monster um, still with us uh, and, and had been for quite a few years. Most everyone else had, had passed quite a long time ago. Um, and I think it's mostly, well, first of all, it's, it was because Christian Black Lagoon was from 1954 and not like 1931, this right, Dracula right. But also Rico Browning was like 19 or 20 or something like that when he was in it. So he was just such a young man when he did it that, you know, obviously, you know, still at, and now he's 90 something. So, you know, I mean, uh, some of the films are 90 years old. Right, right. <laughs> Universal. So um, anyway, uh, and we were just, you know, in, I'm, I'm obviously, I know the films pretty well. And there's a reason for that because I really enjoyed them. And that's the reason why I'm doing that. I started doing the, uh, the podcast. But, you know, in doing the research for some of the episodes, I always learn much more than you know because i, I kind of have to delve a little bit deeper because we'll do a sure. like we'll do two hour episodes on a 90 minute film right we, we just we get very deep into stuff and we could have gone longer on i think creature was over two hours it was, it was a very yeah. it was an important yeah. film for us to do and to get right into cover well so in doing all that research i i learned some things about rico that i'd never known and you know i'd always known yeah he was a young guy and he he took the universal, the, the location scouts with the cameras to, to this, this, uh, this pond, uh, this little lake in, in Florida, where they're thinking about using as a location for shooting Black Lagoon. 
and somehow they found out he was a swimmer or they knew he was a swimmer already because he was a professional like performing swimmer at this spa resort type place in florida um and they asked him to swim around in front of the camera a little yeah. bit this is you know the thing and then a few days later they call him back they're like hey would you like to play the creature from black lagoon you can hold your breath for four minutes underwater sure, like, sure. like amazingly talented young man um and that was kind of what I, and then he went on and played the creature in the underwater scenes as well in, in Revenge of the Creature and then Creature Walks Among Us. Um, and then other actors played, Ben Chapman played him on the on the creature above land, above water in the first one, but but then did not play him in subsequent films. So right. Rico Brown was really the only one to play the creature in all three films. Um, all three films, And that's, yeah. that's what I knew. And I think that's what most, most of us know. And then I did a little bit of research into, the, into him and there's so much more, to him than that that guy that young man took the opportunity that was given to him uh in 1954 and turned it into a career and and affected pop culture in, in all these ways and I, I know we'll get into you know stuff but i'm a little too young to watch flipper on tv and ian you're definitely too young to watch Flipper. i mean it was kind of, of on reruns i think or syndication sure. when i was young um but i'd never known that rico Browning co-created Flipper. Like that was his yeah. show that he he co-founded. And then he directed all this this underground stuff, underwater stuff. He directed underwater stuff for Thunderball and, and for Never Say Never Again, the, the two Bond films. Yeah. Which, you know, Never Say Never Again is kind of a remake of Thunderball, though. Yeah, that's it, right. Isn't known right, for that's right. what, Yeah, it's, it's, it's them doing it. He was like a um, second unit director yeah. on the on Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Like, yeah, exactly. He this young guy, you know, took uh, like I said just. That he took that opportunity, he turned it into this huge career, this lifelong career, and 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 then and just had this wonderful life, and and you know you know did the whole thing, and, and really I think got to stay in Florida his yeah. whole life yeah. which, for the yeah. most part, which is like you know it's like kind of the best of both worlds. He didn't have to move sure. to Hollywood. Yeah. He he helped. You know he, he worked together with some uh, this guy named Ivan Torres who started a a, a studio down in Florida and right. who did uh, Sea Hunt and all sorts of cool uh, shows down there. Um, he made a career out of, you know, like, like a couple miles from home yeah. and it's just, it's yeah. so neat. I think yeah. it's, it's like my dad used to always say life's about contacts. It's about who, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like, it was by happenstance that he even, that Riku even got to show. So he showed Jack Arnold and, um, was Jack Arnold Scott on that Weldon. scout? Yes, okay. it was, it was, uh, Jack yeah, Arnold and, and, uh, he was a photographer and he ended up doing the underwater shots of the film. And the guy's name yeah. was Scotty Welburn. Yeah. So Riku was friends with uh, this guy named Newton Perry and Newton Perry was like the manager of Wakala Springs, right. which is where they actually filmed it. And so uh, I got a lot of my information from Tom Weaver. Um, who it's a, it's a good source to get your information. Probably from. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, this was October 1953, I believe, when most of Creature was was shot, and it was shot simultaneously in Wakala Springs, Florida, and then uh, also back in Hollywood at Universal. Crazy yeah. to think, like everything had to be, you know, perfectly. Yeah. yeah, but um, so so Newton Perry was like the manager of this place, and Weaver said apparently Newton Perry was somehow known in Hollywood. Don't really know where that connection was, but um, he was asked by Universal if he knew of any swimmers yeah. uh, or locations that they could use. Uh, and he was like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, why don't you come on out? And when it came time for the scouts to get there, uh, 
Newton Perry was out of town in Miami and he was like, well, Hey, let me call my buddy Riku Browning and uh, I'll get him to show you. And so right. it was Jack Arnold, the director and uh, Scotty Wellborn. Um, so Riku just picks them up from the airport. The airport, and takes right. Them to Wakala he's Springs and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, uh, I did a little bit of research on Wakala Springs and he says it's like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, it was super well-preserved, very protected. Uh, it was about five acres in size, which was kind of a big deal. Uh, it was the largest spring and the largest water flow apparently in Florida or in that area. Okay. Um, and Riku was a cave diver as well. Yeah. So apparently there was a huge cave as well in the uh, in Wakala Springs. Um, and so, you know, he, he took them out here and they scouted it. And, you know, he got in the water and they took photographs and just to get like perspective shots and that sort of thing. And that's how it started. Because there's diving and there's like being able to hold your breath that long. But there's also being able to dive deep too. Deep, and that's right. something like I don't think... I don't know. I'm not, I, I confessed in the, uh, in the creature <laughs> episode, I'm not like the hugest swimmer. I can swim, but I'm not, you know, um, but as far as I understand, like, I, I don't think a normal person can just jump in the water and then, then, then swim down like yeah. 35, 40 feet. I think you have to like, and, yeah, you have yeah. to like condition yourself and, and train yourself how to do that. And also it's harder to hold your breath under that pressure and all, all sorts of stuff. So, um, uh, that's interesting. So, um, I have to look, to my notes because i you know i i made them um it's <laughs> right yes yeah, so so newt perry this guy we were talking about who, yeah who, it what it sounds like to me is that he he basically did he he helped uh productions find locations in florida yeah. and he kind of coordinated some stuff so it sounds like to me a little bit riku kind of created his own job and he sort of took some ideas from yeah. what New Perry did. Like Rico, Rico sort of became the next generation of New Perry and kind of took it a little bit further yeah. and directed, you know, under underwater scenes and stuff. So, but but that but that's he New Perry's a connection when Wakala Springs yeah. because New Perry and and I I did want to talk. I just want I want this about Riku, but I do want to talk about um, her as well. Um, New Perry also worked with an actress or a swimmer named Ginger Stanley, yeah. and she worked at Wakala Springs. And and as far I don't. I didn't uncover anything whether like Riku and her knew each other, but I'll bet they did. I'm sure it wasn't that big a thing. I think they, so she, he was a swimmer there and she was a swimmer there and she was also a model and everything. And I, and it, it's through Newt that Ginger got brought on to, to creatures in black lagoon oh, okay. and became Julie Adams's swim. Right. Role. So, so what's, and, and, and Ginger Stanley just died in December of this year as well at 91 or something like that. She, she lived quite a long time too. Um, and if you look back at, you just Google Ginger Stanley. I mean, Julie Adams was pretty, very, very pretty. Ginger Stanley was a knockout. Yeah. Ginger Stanley was just absolutely drop dead gorgeous and in amazing shape and whatever. And, and a very talented swimmer, obviously. Um, so I think like they kind of got recruited together. And what's fascinating is like when you're watching the underwater scenes of Creature from the Black Lagoon, it's actually, it's Riku and Ginger swimming together. That's, they're, they're doubling, you know, uh, uh, well, well, you know, he's doing the creature, and then she's doubling Julia. Sure. And then she went on and did did Revenge of the Creature too. So she, um, she did uh, uh, Lori Nelson's um, That's right. kind of doubling yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. I don't know who did the the third movie. I'm not sure. I don't think they shot. I'm not. Did they shoot the third movie even in Wakala Springs, or did they shoot it all in L in in Hollywood? It was probably all in Hollywood. I, I didn't think do it, it was. Most, yeah. I know they did like pick up 
up shots and silver springs yeah um which i've been there i when i was yeah. five years old we went on a disney trip and All right. um we went and, and you know they have that like the glass um like the glass bottom in the boat and they take you out and i think they did like a few pickup shots at silver springs but the majority of it was at wakala springs someone's um, saying in, in the chat how how uh at monster manor 30, 13 13 says we talked with riku lot uh when we hosted him at gill uh uh, he had some sweet stories about Ginger. They worked together at uh, Wikiwachi. It's Wikiwachi they worked together. Wachi. That's at. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hard to keep all the Um Yeah. No, that, that it's amazing. And and just for these two to have lived so long, both of them. And you know, the other thing I, I think is remarkable in in its own way about Riku and about Ginger here too is, um, you know, we we, we talk. I I do. We do a lot of the different films on on the podcast and i guess as with anything there's a certain percentage of talents that worked on these films whose lives are more or less have, have tragedy connected to them you know um especially like in like in dracula and, and you know um you know lugosi obviously had his challenges helen chandler had her challenges chandler, yeah yeah you know, um uh lots of this kind of stuff and then, you know, occasionally you run into um, some of these people who just, you know, they, they did their movies and they either got out of the business or they, you know, parlayed that into something else. Right. Um, um, and then, you know, got married, found love, got married, had kids, lived long lives, were, you know, lived long enough to be well-respected and celebrated and to see, like, the little films they did, you know, last through generations. And, you know, and, and pass finally at the end of their lives, like, so well regarded and riku browning kind of amplifies that it's kind of it's kind of awesome yeah um as kevin smith says uh, it's a big bucket of win it's really cool. <laughs> right yeah I, I, I yeah love that yeah guy. yeah I yeah just, it's, it's just a great story yeah. great american story i, I have to wonder with the uh, i don't know the way tom weaver was kind of describing like the, the newton perry i wonder had perry not had perry stayed and you know been in town mm -hmm. Would Riku, would he have referred Riku, right. you know? So right. that's a big question. It's a what if, like, maybe he would have. Like, yeah. um, I got, you know, I have a swimmer buddy. It's, that still could have happened. But the way Weaver presented it, it was like, well, if Perry, Perry is out of town, and therefore yeah. Perry called Riku yeah, to yeah. show them. So, you know, it's it's just this big, you know, maybe yeah. it would have never happened. But, uh, so I think it's really cool. Totally. We talked about this on the episode, like, they – a lot of movies being made in 1953 there are a lot yeah. of sci-fi movies being made in 1953 and by different studios big bigger movies smaller movies christian makugun was a larger i would probably guess sci-fi production compared to a lot of them um but but there was no guarantee that christian black lagoon was going to end up being possibly probably the, the best well-known sci-fi science fiction film of the 50s at, at the very least right. and probably you know well regarded in the top five science fiction films of all time um it could have just as easily been you know come out made some money and been done um because yeah. because the movie jack arnold had done just before that um it came from outer space it came from outer space yeah. you know people know it but it didn't become a it's not creature thing. right yeah. right yeah. Yeah. yeah richard carlson's in it and everything but it yeah. didn't just become creature creature just happened to become creature from black lagoon and in the pot in the episode i, I talked about how I think there's a lot of factors in, involved in that. 
I would say that if, if you took out all the underwater stuff, all the, all the, the, the amazing, let's not discount the amazing cinematography underwater, like the, what they're, how they were able to film all this stuff in 3d, by the way, underwater, yeah. Yeah. um, having found this amazing crystal clear pond and, or lake to, to film in, um, if you took all that out and you took away the, the swimming scene with, you know, with Julie Adams, where they, they mirror each other. And if you took away the, the fight scenes with him and Richard Carlson and, and, and uh, Denning underwater, you only have the, up, you, know, you only have the above ground stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a cool movie. Okay. Yeah. You know, and he stalks them or whatever. It, it, it just turns into kind of a monster movie. I think it's the underwater stuff that, I just don't know how many, how much stuff like that anyone had ever seen before, yeah. and it it sold this idea of this thing. It like I said, like you know, it's from Earth, but it's really from another world. It's from this underwater world, and you understand why these people coming into the the, the black lagoon is such a violation to the creature, and why he gets so defensive and aggressive in, in defending it, and all that is. That it's the acting. It's 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 not just that Riku Browning could swim, and not just that he could, you know, do these fight scenes underwater. Which, by the way, I talked about this. But that's some danger. They're fighting and rolling around in each other, and they're underneath caves and stuff like that. That's sketchy stuff. That's yeah. That that did not come without you know a certain amount of risk. Um, but it's the performance. It's just like it's just like Karloff and, and the Frankenstein monster. It's it's the he would Riku was able to do he was able to give this creature this grace right underwater that, that made it it's it just looked like you're like no that 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 guy lives underwater and he swims underwater and this is an <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and he's klutzy on land he you know they weighed right. down uh ben chapman's boots and stuff so he kind of lumber and the idea is like like he can go on land but he really belongs in the water and riku just sold that in a way that like i mean how many people on earth could could do that at yeah. the time it, it's a it was second nature to him yeah, um, and it's like everything in his life led him to that moment. All, all sure. the you know training, all the physical regimen, and where he lived, and and the jobs he was doing at, at these resorts and stuff. It's just incredible. It's a great story. Yeah. I want to pause for one second, Jim, yeah. just to Austin. I think you're still watching. I went to invite you, and it said you need to update your Instagram to the the current. Oh. So if you want to get in, I'm just telling you. Um, I want you Austin. to join us. So yes. update your Instagram and and come back. Um, <laughs> So, right back after my iOS update. Exactly. Um, yeah, you, you know, I I read some accounts that the Riku had, and um, he said it was like second nature. And he said initially they fit him for the suit, and they said the mask was a, a bit, not much, but a bit bigger than his head. Yeah. And it was about a couple inches in depth for his eyes, and so they left right. the eye holes out. Um, they tried goggles yeah. initially and they said, you know, after 30 seconds, the goggles will get filled with water. You yeah, can yeah. take the mask off. So he's like, no, I'll just do no, without. Good, yeah. Um, but he said it was like looking through keyholes. Uh, right, so right. his, his vision was somewhat blurred, but he was such a masterclass swimmer. Yeah. He said it really didn't make any difference. Um, if he could do this. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Jim, like, cause that, again, you that's heard, have you heard anything about how they set up? I did a little bit of research in the set, like underwater, and apparently there was like yeah. a full set, uh, tons of people underwater. Yeah, uh, uh, they yeah. have lighting, um, all sorts of stuff like that underwater, 
and the way they would set up shots, uh, they had like three or four uh, like safety divers Mm -hmm. and on each end, they would be holding hoses. Yeah. Uh, And hoses, you know, went up to the -hmm. land and that's all Riku used. So they said 90% of the time he would be underwater uh, and, you know, people would, the other divers, that had auction you know scuba gear on they'd go up and come back down and he would just stay because he was so it was something that i think he kind of pioneered like the 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 hose breathing um yeah yeah and it's i mean that that kind of stuff is still used today you know it's not really a hose i mean there'll be a line and and a mask and everything but yeah but they couldn't you know they couldn't give him a scuba mask because they couldn't get it into his mouth right it had to be this hose so yeah so it has to go it has to go through the creature mask's mouth, mouth. then into yeah. his mouth. Then yeah. he has to get a seal on it really yep. well so that he doesn't suck in water, obviously. Right, um, right. Um, and, and you see, there's, you can, if you Google, you can see the photos of, of right. the creature just sitting on the, the bottom of the, <laughs> uh, there's a good one of him sitting on the bottom of the tank at Oceanland or whatever it is. And he's like sucking in air on, on a nose and stuff sure, like that. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, but that's like, again, like, you don't, just staying underwater that long sure okay you know but like naturally i would think he would float so i don't know i've never read anything like there must he must have they must have figured out weights or something in him so he would would make him neutrally buoyant right like a like a like a scuba diver wears but i don't know where they could have done that on that suit because the suit was so tight and form fittings that you would see the bulge of a weight. <laughs> right, or right. So I don't know. Yet I'm fascinated. I wonder if it worked with the suit or something. Yeah. In some way that I really don't know. Make him not, not float because in the in the one shot where he's he's you know they're swimming and he's literally like upside down yeah. facing upside down water. Sure, sure. Yeah, he's absolutely yeah. neutrally buoyant. So yeah, um, that must have been such a. I, I mean, I'll from experience directing a movie is hard. It's hard work doing it. it's just gotta be i mean i guess you could ask jim cameron like like it's just um it must be agonizing i'm sure i'm sure things go much slower than than, you know they would and they have to for safety and whatever but but just the nature of like you're you're moving the camera and actors and everything through a thicker medium than air right i mean it's 2.5 times thicker or something like that i don't i don't know exactly like than than oxygen than, than environment so so just everything must go slower and everything. I mean, there, there's no way it was, and the 3d cameras and everything there, there's no way it wasn't incredibly frustrating, you know, for, to people at some point and stuff. And they still pulled it off. Here we go. Look at what that. Dudes. What's up, uh, buddy. This is a PSA to update your stuff. In case you didn't know about that. <laughs> hey, it didn't take long. So what was so that? Great. I didn't know that was even a thing. I, <laughs> well, hi guys. Dude. I hi, do Jim, good to meet you, man. Glad to have you. So, uh, Austin, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little about. We we call you Austin Gill Hill. So, you were my you were the first person I asked, and uh, for that reason specifically. So, yeah, tell us. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, Gill Hill. I love it. I'll take it. Um, I think I Rico behind me. There it is. Um, there it is. Yeah. So, um, I'm a monster kid, just like everyone watching here. Been a monster kid my whole life. Um, I became a big fan of this Instagram Universal Monsters Universe um, right when it started, and then uh, in 2019, I believe it was one of them, one of the squads in there. Maybe I got it wrong. They asked me to join. I was just kind of an obsessed super fan. I did a couple uh, takeovers for them, and then they said, 
come on in and i filled a niche with being the kind of creature guy um nice. and then uh yeah so a lot of times if you're following the page i'm 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 the guy posting some super deep track nerdy thing a lot of the time. Um, but there are six of us now, so we're, yeah. we're kind of call ourselves squad. But yeah, uh, Gilman's been my guy. Um, I don't know. I don't, my, in terms of credentials, I don't know. I, it's like <laughs> single digits. I remember being on the playground and like, I was just that kid grew up on black and white. I grew up on black, uh, on Abbott Costello. I grew up on the monsters and um, I was that weird kid that was just watching everything black and white. It's like, I think a lot of us have that in common. Sure, sure. But, um but yeah man i i did not get the chance to meet rico i i got this that was through galaxy con okay um, i got to meet uh and interview julie adams um brief, a few years ago briefly and that was literally about my, my top number one coolest like celebrity thing ever um and she was a sweetheart and you know i feel like i know rico just from just from loving him from afar right. for so long but um and getting to know kind of who he was he seemed like he was a character as you guys were saying, you and Jim were saying, he's um, kind of lived an unbelievable life. Um, yeah. And and I think deserves celebration, and that's because of Gilman. But uh, just like you said, I think Jim said it perfectly that he's he kind of had a story, kind of a storybook way to go. I mean, I saw a post by his, um, I believe it was his daughter actually the other day that said that he was surrounded by family mm-hmm. uh, at the end, and that was that was a pretty beautiful thing. Yeah. So. Um, he was so close with fan and so even at, up to 93 years old, super <laughs> engaged with us yeah. and super engaged with his family and his family was so supportive and he was still going and talking at conventions, even, um, just really recently he was yeah. out doing it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So just, I think, I think Gilman fans are kind of spoiled to have had Rico for so long. Um, and there was as much turmoil with him as with, with maybe some other guys. Yeah. And yeah. again, because it came out in the fifties that we had more time with them but yeah just an amazing amazing dude absolutely well dude thanks so much for joining um i know I, we had a little bit of structure but i think we're just going to kind of chill and talk about riku talk about the creature um however it goes i know um i'll tell this story since since you mentioned that i i did get to yeah, meet you, riku you met and, him i saw uh, the photo so i want to hear yeah, about that. yeah so so it was it was a huge deal for a multitude of reasons and uh i met him june 1st 2019 i actually had to go back and and check the date and i started this page universal studios monsters june 25th 2019 so i met riku prior to starting this page and i think meeting him kind of spearheaded this decision a little bit so the convention it was it was galaxy con which is kind of similar to wizard world you know it, it's a traveling convention yeah. um it was galaxy con in richmond virginia where i'm located and riku browning donnie dunnigan i met both of them the same way <laughs> well <laughs> I mean, hello hello <laughs> so uh donnie dunnigan for those of you watching who don't know he was the voice of bambi 1942 when he was a boy and 1939 he was peter frankenstein basil rathbone's son and son of frankenstein um so i got to talk with donnie a lot and he talked about lionel atwell and basil rathbone and and karloff and makeup like that was insane um but i also on a sidebar i met kevin conroy that day too so rest in peace kevin conroy that that was a big day um so Riku, Donnie Dunnigan, and Kevin Conroy. Um, but Riku, I, there 
was not a huge crowd, which I always say the Universal Monsters is somewhat of a niche, um, you know, and that, and that that's that's fine, and we've got plenty of folks in here watching, but uh, not a huge crowd. And that's my favorite. When I'm at a convention and I go up to a table for somebody that I really want to meet, if there's nobody there, perfect. Um, so one of his daughters, I know he has three daughters and a son and a ton of grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Um, forgive me, I can't remember which daughter it was, but one of his daughters was his handler. Um, and he was quiet. And he was 89 years old when I met him. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about he talked about being underwater and how it was second nature to him and um he's you know to him it wasn't a huge deal and i think tom weaver kind of mentioned this in his book and in his interviews this was kind of riku's inception into the bigger world of film and that sort of thing so um i think because it was his beginning uh, he was like, hey, you know, it was just a job to him. Like Universal calls him up after the scout stuff, and hey, do you, you want to do this? And he was like, yeah, fine. Um, so he did that, and then he was a writer and a director and photographer and all. So that was well after, uh, you know, his creature stint. So, um, I don't think the creature stuff was his favorite which i it's funny and that's okay i like you know to each their own i think that's really neat um but when i did meet him he was the humblest like he shook my hand like three or four times to thank you for coming to talk to me thank you for coming to talk to me sign the autograph like um and that was that to me is like the greatest thing ever because I'm not going to name any names, but there's plenty of people you can meet at conventions that <laughs> sign autographs and like, get the hell out of here, you know? But Next. Riku was like, thank you. Thank you, thank you for talking to me. Um, that's great. <laughs> gosh, that's uh, uh, a little emotional. That That's just, yeah. that's who he was. Um, he was so, so humble and thankful and grateful to his fans and the people that wanted to come and see him. And 89 years old and he was signing autographs and having a ball. So, yeah, it was a really, really awesome memory for me. And uh, that was, like I said, that was June 1st, 2019. And I think that really got a deep dive back, back into the monsters. And that, you know, I ended up starting this page. So, That's yeah. Cool. Um, I think, yeah, I think anyone that met him had a similar, kind of got the similar emotion. Um, I know Joe of UMU of our page. He got right. to meet it back in the day. The right. yeah. I think he, I think he, I, he's. Uh, and that's the thing I've kept hearing is like the coolest, the humblest, the nicest, like appreciative. Um, Jim, did you ever did you ever meet him? I, I didn't. I never met him. I met Julie Adams. She came when I was uh, working with the American Cinematheque in LA. Julie Adams came, and she yeah. was late seventies, I think, at that point or something like that. And <clears> I'm telling you, she was she was still very very pretty and <laughs> was, i mean she, yeah. she was all, all the time uh there there was a there were about 400 adult men in, in the audience like middle-aged older than me like i think we'd grown up with her just like <laughs> you know like like, yeah. <laughs> like it was funny um meeting their their dream girl because man yeah. yeah she i mean as i said yeah in, in in creature she's a knockout she's incredible in that swimsuit and stuff wow um and she looks like 
we were saying uh, we we're saying in the episode that you know you go back and if you look at Helen Chandler in Dracula or, or what have you, they're beautiful, but they look like they're from another era. In Creature from the Lagoon, it's so much closer to our current era that in all her various very cute outfits, like the little handkerchief she wears on her as a top or something, um, Julie Adams looks like a woman who could just be like you could meet on the street now with her hair and everything. It wasn't as elaborate, the makeup and everything like that. So she just seemed immediate, I, I always thought. Um, back to back to talking about Rika, though. Um, does Weaver talk at all in his book or, or have you heard or, or, or um, Austin, have you heard? You know, I found it so interesting that Universal built its brand on the men who played the monsters. Karloff as Frankenstein monster, Lugosi as Dracula, Cheney as Wolfman. And and obviously by the time Creature from the Black Lagoon comes out, it's not, it's, it's universal or national now, it's not universal anymore. So different people are in charge, different people are making decisions. This is a whole new era and a whole new company. Um, having said that, it's still fascinating that this, this studio that built its brand on pointing out the skill and, and genius of the talent that, that portrayed the monsters didn't give any credit to either Riku or Ben Chapman in right. any of the, or any of the actors who played uh, the creature in the other, in the other two films ever that the fact that they're uncredited, it just mystifies me. It's so weird. It's such a strange, I mean, like if any other studio had done that, I could get it, but universal doing that, it was just so strange and, um, and a shame, but obviously it's a, it's a shame this has been righted, obviously, because both of them became have become so well known, and you know. Whatever. Um, uh, but I just want to know, like, does Weaver? Does that? Or do either of you guys know what the thinking was at the time, or anything, or who it, it, the decision was made, or something? It's just. I uh, so the stuff that I researched from Weaver, he didn't really mention that, yeah. and it was funny. I had somebody when I, I posted this poster the other day and somebody asked, um, uh, you know, why wasn't Riku or Ben Chapman ever, you know, credited that way. Yeah. Uh, and monster Manor 13, he said they kind of devalued the monsters by then. Um, yeah. like, I feel like it was a new era and you have, um, tarantula and the deadly mantis and the mole people and right. this okay. earth. And it's all, it's costume you know and suits and masks and so i feel like they're not they, playing humans they're not humans right. anymore exactly and i think that was kind of the thinking that um which still kind of sucks but yeah it's yeah. like they were and i'm not when i say this this is not me discrediting them they were stuntmen yes you know yes and they weren't they, they weren't the leading actors they weren't the Karloffs, the Lugosis. they were stuntmen um so, as as was Glenn Strange until he right. stepped in front and exactly yeah. into the, yeah. um, that's really interesting. I, mm -hmm. I uh, uh, you know I, I was and I talked about it in, in our creature episode how it's it's amazing it, the creature is such an interesting part of the Big Eight at Universal because all the other monsters have some connection to being human. You know, like I said, like Dracula was once a human, the Mummy was a human. Um, Frankenstein monster used to be several humans. Um, uh, the Wolfman, Family Opera, um, uh, 
they were, they were humans and now something has happened to them and they look different or they seem different. The invisible man, the creature is the only one that's, the creature is not a human. The creature is never a human. The creature is never going to be human. The creature is like something that existed before humans. So it's, it's universal's only universal monster that is not, has no connection to a homo sapien species. Sure, that's sure. really interesting. Yeah. That is something I feel so strongly about. Thank you for mentioning that, that obviously we love the big eight. We love anyone, any, any of the monsters and all their iterations, but yeah, Gil- Gilly um, is, um, he's kind of the only one that doesn't transform. He's the only one yeah. that is born that way. Um, That's right, yes. He, he kind of opens, he's kind of, I, you know, I talked to, uh, on part of our squad, Parker of the Elder Review, another um, a horror podcast, uh, old school horror podcast. Um, we talk about how that is kind of a gateway for a lot of people into cryptozoology, into Sasquatch, into nesting stuff. That, that's kind of, that's kind of that great chance, because I, mean, I love that stuff too. And Gilman kind of is a great gateway for that yeah. because he just kind of is. And it makes the story so much more jacked up that we just kind of open his door and go, come on, man, we're going to take you. His story is so <laughs> horrible. What people do to him. It's yeah. one of the, I think, I think you can make the argument that humans are monsters in a lot of the stories, but especially in, in Creature and the trilogy, uh, the Gilogy, as I like to call it. Uh, nice. he, humans are the monsters 100% far and yeah. away. Everything that happens to him, the poor guy, is, is, is so brutal. But but going back to what you're saying, like I, I, I 100% agree. What Rico did underwater, um, seeing the creature be the creature, I don't think anyone could have done that. Um, his side to side, and it was you're right. It's so effortless. It's yeah. so smooth. Um, yeah, but I, I 100% agree. That's something I feel very strongly about that he has a very unique title of being actually the only classified monster um, born that way. And I like how what you just said about how he's the only monster that didn't used to be something else. Because right. they all. They all used to be some Dracula used to be human and invisible man used to be visible. The phantom used to be a, a not scarred, you know, yeah. he's the he hasn't gone through a transformation. He he's, he's just what he is. That's fascinating. That's what I love. You know, uh, this was something else Weaver mentioned that I just remembered. Um, you know, we tend to refer to him as the creature in the film. They refer to him as the gill man. But behind the scenes, like the filmmakers and directors, they called him the Beastie. That's what <laughs> Universal called him. So oh, wow. I think that's what they called him the Beastie. Um, so it, it's it's funny how things translate through the years. Um, but the but thing, there, there was that argument that they didn't want Beast in the title, right? There was yes. this whole argument, yeah. and they went through all the iterations of the title. It was like a negative. And they had a whole list of things that they didn't want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, like no goes for the title, and then somehow creature slipped in there, right. and and we joked as like, well, they, you didn't say no creature, and they're like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think um, just another aspect regarding Riku over uh, Ben Chapman. I know in Creature Walks Among Us, was a guy's name Don McGowan, I think. McGowan, yeah. And the guy, um, whoever played the part on land and Revenge of the Creature. His name escapes me, yeah. but um, um, Hennessy. Yeah, there you go, Hennessy. Um, Riku underwater. It's his element. So I feel like we get much more characterization and personality from Riku. You get to see him like, you know, being curious, yeah. and uh, he's in his element. And you know, not to discredit Ben Chapman or the others that played on land. But when he's in on land, he's just the girl, like, you know, I'm going to chase you. I'm going to grab you. When he's underwater, it's just it's like it's almost like watching 
a baller like a master class ballerina you know um, so you get a totally different layer of the creature um his character like who he is personally because of riku i think more than anything else because, I mean, the creature's an animal, really. I mean, I mean the creature is, a, is, is sort of a semi-sentient animal that is right. shaped vaguely like a man. And he plays him with this kind of native dignity, you know, that it's it's not like creature really super has emotions, It ha- but it, it's able to, you know, but we see it being curious at first, then we see it being pretty pissed off, then we see it, yeah, but, and, and that's what I was saying about Ben Chapman, like, in, in a mask, by the way, like that has no mobility. I mean, yeah. you know, the, I mean, Lon Chaney Jr. is working under a lot of hair, and Boris Karloff's working yeah. under like the all the makeup and the eyelids and stuff. Rico Browning has nothing to work with. It's all it's all pantomime. It's all like it's a the, the face is underwater. The face is kind of dead. I know it was, it was articulated yeah. somewhat above water, but it's kind of a just a mask, and he he pulls that off all with the mask. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. Have you, do you guys have this? By the way. I just I went up and I picked this up. If you, yeah. I have I bought this and I haven't watched you know it yet. This is what it is. It's it's one of their episodes. right? It's an episode, but it's so quick. It's a, of the it's show. A, I know. Yeah. It's but it's cool and it's actually Ben Chapman though. It's actually him. Is it Ben Chapman? That's cool. and then there's a Frankie bit in it, and that's actually Glenn Strange too. And that's Strange. Yeah, Glenn Strange. That's cool. Um, I I, I haven't done it yet because we've been kind of crazy, but um, it, that's the anniversary of that airing just was just the end of February. Let's see. Oh, cool. You have good timing on that. Yeah. So that's, technically, that's cool. and that's another thing that Ian's heard me talk way too much about that I that Lou Costello, whose birthday's coming up, I think Monday, he has met more Universal monsters on screen more than anyone else <laughs> in cinema. I think by my calculation, and I that makes sense. I'm very very that makes me endlessly happy of all people. Lou Costello <laughs> met more because he got one by the Gill Man. I was gonna yeah. say um, a second ago you mentioned something, Jim, and I just lost my thought. Oh, it's that the air hose system. So. Someone in the comment mentioned this, and then years ago, I was going to tell you guys the story that um, a friend I was talking because I've loved Gilman for forever, and I was talking to somebody about it. And a guy like I'm sure we've all had this moment where we have to defend our fandom, right? And the guy laughs at me for loving old monster movies. And I'm talking about I'm like, you know, Gilman's my guy, and he says, "Oh man, movie's so lame, man. You can even see the tank on his back." And then I go, I get into like actually mode where I'm like, "Excuse me, actually, <laughs> no tank. It's a yeah. hose. It's a hose, my friend." Instead of a different word, I'd say. Um, but, yeah, but but Rico learned to swim that way. Rico learned to dive with a hose. Um, and I heard him later in life said someone asked him, what do you think has changed most with the diving industry? And he was like, you wear too much. You're wearing way too much. He said, I back that's in the day, you had maybe a tank, but we often did it with like goggles and a hose. And that's how um, Wakala and Wikiwachi, they were just like go down and have yeah. a hose. So, so it's... Yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever done this where you swim in a pool, even like, you know, the shallow end or whatever, trying to do the motion. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not ashamed to admit I've done it and it's super fun. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, I heard the suit was weirdly buoyant. So I knew Ben Chapman was weighted down, but they had to weight down Rico as well. So he had a lead chest plate. And I, th- I mean, you guys already said this. I'm sorry if you did that while I was updating my old no, phone. I, w- I was asking, I was asking Ian that, and you just answered our question. There Thank you, you. That's awesome. Yeah. A lead chest plate. That makes so much sense because there's no room for weights in the suit. It would, it would right. bulge out. And, 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 uh, but to, and so he, the, his, his holes, his eyes were like an intramus face. Mm-hmm. So he's got like dimes. 
He's holding his breath. I, I, I question anybody right now to act, do a scene yeah. without saying anything, hold your breath, let alone be underwater. It's so hard. But then be weighted down. And he said the, the cue for the divers, because he moved too much. So yeah. when he couldn't breathe, he'd go limp. Yeah. And that's what yeah. divers would come over and give him the hose. Be like, oh my God, breathe through this. He said, yeah, it was fine. Nothing ever happened. Like, he's like totally chill about it. Very nonchalant. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I know Just he, he said it was much easier. Not that you ever see him, Riku, in the suit, in the water, like right at the surface surface but he said he swam a little bit on the surface and it was 10 times easier fully submerged than hmm. on the so it's kind of interesting yeah i don't know if you guys have seen it i think it's only one or two photos ever and they're kind of hard to find now but there i shared on umu forever ago it's actually kind of hard to make out because there's so much black and white in it and gray but because he couldn't get out of the suit for a break they gave him a little tiny baby inner tube so he'd go up to the surface and would just float <laughs> And like, just like have this tube, but he's full creature. He can't take the head off. He can't take anything off. Yeah. So he's just sitting there holding this thing and just kind of fall asleep, I guess. There's one photo, but it's, it's actually a pretty good angle. I mean, it's pretty close, but because he's in the dark water, it's kind of hard to make him out. But poor guy would just like <laughs> sleep it off and do and then go right back into it. I'll have to check that out. I know, uh, I think IMDb has this, uh, this like trivia fact. Um, and Tom Weaver kind of mentioned this as well. I think it was in the filming of the first film. Um, he had to use the bathroom like yeah. really, really bad. And uh, so, you know, he knew his way around um, Wakala Springs and uh, he swam up and to a dock. And there was like a mom with her little daughter on the dock. <laughs> oh, right. And he, like, submerged on the dock. And um, <laughs> he said he like, the girl and the mom both absolutely terrified, screaming, run away. And he said he was out of the water in like a flash. And he was going, wait, 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 it's okay. <laughs> I, it's somebody, and he's like, ah, forget it. And they were gone. But, uh, well, yeah. As long as he's telling me to wait and it's okay, everything might yeah, be fine. Right. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I'm just a man in a costume. I, but... I just have to pee. It's okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Which is kind of so. crazy because you think you just kind of go. I don't know. I guess that's, I don't know where to go. <laughs> yeah. like, well, gross, I was wondering I don't about that because easier? I, I would be willing to bet that would be damaging to the suit. The suit, yeah. More, yeah. I'm thinking the same thing. To, to say nothing of how much Richard Carlson, Carlson would be annoyed if he found out <laughs> that he was swimming in the same water. <laughs> right, right. But, um, but yeah, I, I know like like divers, like you're not supposed to go in your suit, even like in the neoprene wetsuits and sure. stuff. Because your urine is different pH than the water and it's not made for that. And over time it, it does. Mess up. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. You, know, yeah. you know, we're doing the right thing. When we're getting into Rico Brown, Rico Browning's urine. And what did he do? We're all about the deep dives. <laughs> I, like what Jim said, I'm not a great swimmer. So I'm, I, I dove once and I had like a panic attack. So yeah. I get it. I, I, I'm super naive about it when it comes. I'm trying to find this photo. Sorry guys. I'm not just trying to be. Oh, really you're good, bro. Yeah. Oh, here's a, here's a one. You guys can see this. It's Rico feeding Rico Jr. Oh, oh so wow, cool. yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great shot. On the now, set now, of uh, now, Rico, Rico Jr. went on to do the same thing, right? He 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 was a swimmer and and he act, I think he acted underwater and he did stuff. Yeah, and stuff, I believe right? so. Coordination. Yeah. Did he really? That's really cool. I don't know if I follow juniors very often. I, I see. I hear about the daughters a lot, but I haven't heard about. I was thinking about that today. Like, what's going on with, with Rico yeah. Jr.? I don't. I don't. I don't know if Rico's Jr. is still alive at this point, or I don't know if, if he did that for a while and didn't do it. I, I'd have to let's 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 
Let's circle back on that and see if we find out anything. Yeah. That'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. To know. Um, I'm gonna say, but yeah, and then to continue talking about his like legacy. I mean, I heard something fascinating. I'm sure you guys have heard this too. That he actually he never met Ben Chapman until years later at a convention. Like they never that's, had any reason to merge. That's yeah, layers, and and they're working three thousand miles apart. So, right, uh, right. And there and were the, no, yeah, the there were no like horror conventions in the 1950s. Yeah, so, then, so they were. That's fascinating. By Rico's calculation, he said he didn't start getting notoriety for it until t- about twenty years later. Yeah, and people would write him asking for an autograph, and he didn't have photos. He was like, I yeah. don't know. Right. And some fans sent him one. Then he just made photocopies of that, and that's what he would send to fans because he's <laughs> like, I don't have any. Sorry, guys, I don't know. Um, but, uh, but coming back to what you're saying, Ian, it's like, yeah, I think if he had to pick what he's most proud of, it may not have been Gilman, but he still loved right. that it happened. But I think his directing work was his biggest passion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, they, he said something about, they say in film, there's ABC, never film with animals, boats, um, and children. Children. And that's pretty much what Flipper was. So he, like, <laughs> yeah. he said, he said, I did everything we weren't supposed to do, but it worked okay for us. That's funny. Because he co-created uh, Flipper. He just directed he co-created Flipper. Yeah. Co-created Flipper. That's, that's nuts. And and like I was saying to Ian uh, uh, Austin, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm too young to have – it was like it was like in syndication or something when I was little. Right. And I don't think, like, a lot of modern people know Flipper. I think, I think they made a movie version of it a couple – like the 80s or 90s or something. Elijah like Wood, man. But Paul Hogan. Oh. That's right. Oh, my gosh. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. There we go. Um, so I wonder if, I mean, just as someone in the industry, like that was a payday for Rico. If, if he was a co-creator of the original thing and then they do the movie version of it, that's, that's a good day, probably. Because so, yeah. as, as, as the creator, you're going to get a, a thing. I wonder, but he's not in it or something like that. That would have been great if they'd gotten a little get cameo. A little cameo. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how often he acted in it. He said that he actually didn't like acting that much. He preferred directing. He said it was way easier than acting. Um which kind of surprised me, but I'm not sure if your your acting comparison is in this monster suit with weights and, and the air hose. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'll direct. I'm okay. Thank you. Yeah, do, do, doing a sitcom isn't that hard. Yeah. <laughs> like Dick Van Dyke, it wasn't that hard for him. And then and um, Sequest, which I it sounds awesome. I admit, I never really watched a full episode of Sequest, but he was yeah. big into that too. That's, that's yeah. amazing. I asked my mom, um, you know, I'm, of course I was aware of Flipper, uh, but I asked my mom and she was like, Oh yeah, you know, I remember watching Flipper and um so so that was cool. And she she definitely recognized that. Um yeah, Flipper was, was like a phenomenon. I mean it was like yeah. a big yeah. show. It went it went many seasons. It was yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that's funny. And it was so it was, he, a but, film, Rico, it was a film first. They did a film and then it was a TV oh, show. Oh, is that what it was? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. that's neat. Mm. Rick with dolphins. Um yeah. that's fast so he had kind of a funny old world perspective. I'm a big animal guy. So I think honestly, it's that that time of anything with animals was, is probably pretty dated. Um, but he wasn't, he wasn't, he talked about filming with, he talked about what sharks are easiest to film with. Cause I think there's tiger sharks and James Bond stuff. Yeah. He was like, yeah, we got tiger sharks down there and we would do this and this and then tiger sharks. If we, you know, we, um, they'd f- f- go in a straight line after we were down there. So they were easier to film. Bull sharks would turn back on you. So that was no good. But tiger sharks <laughs> would just keep on going. He says all nonchalantly. And someone asked nonchalant. him, well, you ever have a moment you're scared while making these movies? He was like, no, nah, not really. No. Well, he's like, tiger 
bikes around him and James Bond and vehicles and like a stunt team. He's like, oh, no, we were okay. We had a lot of we had a lot of safety measures. We were okay. Pretty, which is that it's yeah. funny you you doing that, Austin. That's what he was like. Like when I met him, you know, he was just no, you know, it was fine. It was fun. Um, and Tom Weaver said the same thing. Like, um, you know, yeah, it's, that's kind of when when Universal called, you know, and said, "Would you like to play the part of?" Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I definitely wonder, like you mentioned earlier, Austin, when it wasn't until like about 20 years later um, that he started getting, you know, fan service and fan mail and that sort of thing. I wonder if um, Forey Ackerman and them, you know, had something to do with that. With that famous would not surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like that that was like a big resurgence. And that's like the first generation of monster kids was honestly because of that. So um, I think we're seeing that now that that trend exists today, especially the kids that watch something and it gets panned by critics or it does terrible. Then those kids grow up and champion championing championing. You know what I mean? They they regale it later, and then it gets a new life. And I kind of wonder if that's what happened with Gilman because you talk to you hear about Bob Burns and Tom Weaver, and you hear about these guys. They love Gilman yeah. from like day one. Yeah. They said. Was it Bob Burns that he would just go and watch it over and over and over again in the theater? Like that was a day you could you could pay for a ticket and it was all day and he would just go and watch it over and over. So I think I wonder if they kind of grew up and were like, Hey, is there a suit left over? Is there anything left over? Like, can we we love you? Can we who are you? Cause I'm pretty sure aren't they Ben and Rico? Are they uncredited in the credits? Yeah. Like, I don't think there's a they're not yeah. credited at all in the film. Sucks. Unbelievable, right? I mean we know now. I know. Yeah, sucks. yeah. But I mean I mean we, and when we did the episode where we had we did a little section on Milson Patrick, of course, because that's a really salient part of the Gilman legacy now. And she wasn't credited. So it's 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 kind of, you know, it's seemed endemic kind of in that era of Universal that like lots of people who contributed critical parts to these things didn't get yeah. credit. I think I think hers might have had a lot to do with her gender, but still, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Um, is a big one. Not for nothing. Like I was, I was over. Uh, I don't know if he has it anymore, but uh, the actor Dan Roebuck, who he just played yeah. Grandpa Munster Grandpa in the Zombies movie and yeah. stuff, and, and he goes all the way back to River's Edge and, and stuff. He's kind of a. I know him a little bit, and he used to have this little monster museum in his old house in in Burbank. Oh, cool. And when you walked in there, I mean, he had like he had like uh, stamped like voided checks, like paychecks for Ron Chaney Jr. He had, I mean, I mean, and he had like original Planet of the Apes costumes. But he walked in and he had an amazing recreation of the creature suit on a, on a, on a mannequin, just standing there doing this and stuff like that. I'm sure if you look look up, there's some photos of. So I got to like stand there, and sadly, it was right before like smartphones were a thing. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a camera. Yeah. Photos of of his thing, everything like that, but it was, it was pretty rad. And and so I don't know if you guys have had this experience, just standing next to a what would have been life-size replication of it was probably the ben chapman suit standing there like the ben. first of all the gilman's hand is this big yeah. it's the size of a basketball it's and you yeah. see it in the movies like how he you know he, he covers their faces with that but the gilman was gigantic and so the other thing you realize is like like richard carlson was pretty tall and stuff because like i looked like a midget next to the, to, to, right. to the costume and stuff like that so um but it had to be because like I, the you know the thing we talked about is like it's it's the fifties now, and um, Carlson and uh, uh, who plays the other guy um, Richard Denning, Richard Denning, you know the actors themselves are getting bigger physically yeah. like right. like it's not like 
you know, in the thirties and forties, like Humphrey Bogart is sort of average, you know, five, eight, five, nine, David. eight. Now, like Manners. you've got taller actors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> David, David Manners, I think David Manners was a little, he was like probably five, 11 or six. Eight. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Take a shot. Take a shot. <laughs> Take a shot. David Manners. Um, uh, um, but, but as the guys get bigger, then the monsters kind of have to as well. And, mm-hmm. and then, you, you know, so, so by the time you get to house of Frankenstein, you've got Lon Chaney Jr. facing off against the, the, the Frankenstein monster. So you have to have Glenn Strange to yeah. have that altitude to, to tower over him. But, but then in Creature, yeah, you have to have someone gigantic on land that, that can, you know, seem so physically overpowering to, to these guys. Um, I don't know how tall Ben Chap or how tall Riku Browning was. He wasn't short. No. I know he, was, he wasn't Ben Chapman height, though. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, they were t- two completely different suits. I know. Yeah. Uh, I know Tom Weaver said neither of the suits lasted much longer. I, I mean, by the time they started, so so they knew Creature was going to be a hit, uh, like right at the premiere, and they said they like immediately started the mm. script for Revenge, mm. and the original script it was kind kind of a combination of the first and and revenge um and a lot of it was based uh, inspired by king kong um so they split it they did the sequel and they said by the time they were filming uh revenge revenge came out in 55 they were filming it in 54 the suits were already gone destroyed like um so that's why you know i always question and revenge like the eyes are completely different yeah. um then you know i think i'm partial to the first one just because of the like the eyes on land that ben chapman had they they were fantastic and then you get these like they're like, big, they're like pearlescent and yeah stuff. yeah they're really neat very different in the revenge suit um yeah. but they had to redo the suits and they they didn't even have the molds i think like years later they um uh, uh just downsizing and getting rid of and they they toss the molds for the suits, like the casts. Um, so that's that's unfortunate. So nothing of the original suits remain whatsoever. Um, which are some crazy good recreations out there, though. Yeah. You know, uh, it's pretty amazing how detailed like somebody had to go to recreate those suits. Um, yeah, I just heard this legend. This is kind of a two pronged legend, and it leads to Gilman. I promise. I'm a big Tom Petty fan. And a lot of people know Tom Petty was, um, he had a really famous, he had an uncle that was a really famous movie producer um, in Florida. And side note, Elvis Presley was down there filming Follow That Dream. And Tom Petty went down there. He was like five or six years old. And his producer uncle or whoever was like, hey, here's Elvis. And Elvis was like, hey, kid. And like mm-hmm. moved on. I guess that's what spurred Tom Petty. He was like, that's his whole life changed from that moment. But anyway, so that's just kind of cool note. But. I guess supposedly in that producer's office, the uncle, Tom Petty's uncle, had one of the actual Gilman suits on the wall. And then oh, it cool. didn't last long. But I think it, I remember I was in Tom Petty's biography, but I remember being like, wait, what? Rewind? Like what? And then I think they pitched it. So it's kind of crazy <laughs> to think at one point, one of the suits we might have seen in this movie ended up in Tom Petty's uncle's office. Maybe Tom, a young cool. Tom Petty saw it. How about it's kind of crazy. That. That's yeah. very Dang. cool. I love those connections. Um, because it would have been latex. Yes. And it would have been like a foam latex at that point, so they could get the depth and stuff like that. And and yeah, foam latex, anyone who's bought a Dawn Post 
mask, you know, no. And, and actually sorted in an attic or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that, that stuff, it does not hold up no. to say nothing of, of having it constantly drenched in water. Cause, cause even when the creatures on land, they, they, they had him wet, they hosed him and stuff. So he looks like, he can, you know, so yeah, I could, I can only imagine whatever salts and sediments and, and everything else there in those waters would have just done their work. So even once you dried it out, all that stuff's still in the, the, the foam and the mesh of the thing, and it's just going to start rotting it. Yeah. Uh. Hmm. I heard a thing where um, recently, I, um, I did not know this. Um, someone asked Rico about shape of water. Mm. And I'm kind of thinking like, okay, well, I don't know how you guys feel. I love it for me. It's like, a, just for, it's a giant win for monster kids. Like yeah. it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm biased that it's, it's a gill man. And Rico loves it. And he became fans with Guillermo del Toro, which is kind of crazy. Mm. And Doug Jones. He mentioned Doug Jones oh, by yeah. name. I'm like, That's love awesome. Doug Jones. And he said, I had two qualms. <laughs> and they were really funny qualms. One of them was he thought, sorry, spoiler alert, earmuffs, you guys haven't heard this. He thought the the asset or the gill man and the main character, the woman, I forget her name, um, the character then, Sally Hawkins, they had relations too early in the movie. He thought it should have been later in the movie they had relations. He thought it was too quick. Um, and he thought the asset should have died. And that the woman, he said she shouldn't have become official. He wanted a creature from the Black Lagoon ending. What? He wanted the woman wow. to live while the gill man, like, he saves her. He gets shot up, brings her back to land, and he goes down into the water and dies. That's the ending um, he wanted. And supposedly, he told this to Del Toro himself. It was like, that's why he should have done it. That's awesome. Del Toro was like, that's a good ending, but we made the movie already. Thank you, Rico. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, really. You could do the Riku Browning cut. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just kind of stop it at a certain point. Yeah. I love that though. I, I love that he loved it, yeah. even that yeah. right toward the end that he was supportive I, of it. I mean, and and you, you can even see it in in uh, the ape saping character in the Hellboy movies. Oh yeah. That that you know, I think in the in the in the making of documentary of, of the first Hellboy movie, they even talk about like like the special effects guys who are like looking and, and digitally doing the the ape sapien underwater swimming they they watch creature in black lagoon and you're like oh here's how he does the the big swoop right and, yeah, and the direction yeah. was like no make him swim like the creature in black lagoon because obviously that's the way that kind of a creature would swim there there you go so yeah that's so it's so cool the leg we talk about the long footprint on on the podcast a lot yeah. before we go past and it's and it really is like something comes out but that is so titular, you know, it is, it is just, it, it becomes an icon. And then everything that follows it, you either have, it's, it's like the Basil Rathbone playing Sherlock Holmes. You either have to lean into it or try to go away from it. it you have to make the choice because you, you, you can't, you can't remove that from the public's mind. Like what came before you have to deal with that. So when you're doing a new iteration or something kind of loosely, you know, inspired by something like that, you just have to take that thing into account because it, it is so cemented in our in our pop culture memory and the creature's definitely that. I want to ask people that, you know, I'm, yeah, it's funny because like, especially speaking, just on, to say with the piggyback on that, Jim, my cat's digging over here. Sorry to be here. And he's, he's part of this yeah. too. We can get a fourth screen with him in here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, the, um, I'm always one of those people that always wishes we got a Gilman. Um, sequel or remake even just many years later and, and me being an amateur filmmaker always always had ideas in my head of like what could that be what could it look like but it's kind of sad to think about i bring that I only bring that up because 
it would have been really cool to see a Rico cameo because mm-hmm. you know they would have done it. Yeah. And I was thinking this last night. You guys can tell me if this is maybe blasphemous, but calling the boat the Rico. It's always been the Rita, mm-hmm. but maybe something else becomes the Rita. Still, still keep Rita in there. But maybe yeah. the, boat, the Rico. Just because he loved the water so much. I don't know. Just thinking about yeah. that. We got I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. Who do you cast? Who do you cast in the Nestor Pavia uh, role? Now, <laughs> that's a really is that, is that is that boat captain? Yeah, the boat yes. captain. I Lucas. Yeah, that guy? I, Lucas. Yeah, yeah, Lucas. yeah, Lucas, the boat, the boat captain. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. You know who I'm thinking of is uh oh, you know who'd be great is uh oh, what's his name? He played Doctor Octopus in the Spider-Man movies. It's um, funny you said that because I thought that too. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. We're not from Molina. Would kill that thing. That's funny. That's you said that, I talk about like that too. Like I. Th- I feel like Nestor Pavia, like like anytime anyone after that played plays like a, a slimy captain of a of a of a little you know cheap ship, yeah. you either have to decide am I going to lean towards Nestor or lean away from that? Because he just that that is that is that character. He figured out how that character works, and everything else that came after has to has to deal with it. It's funny. It's a great on the on the episode we just talked about. What a perfect. Uh, ensemble cast, oh, Creature from Black Lagoon had. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. the sequels had great, great people, but the first one is just everyone. Yeah. Everyone is there for a purpose. You know, the the the, the South American archaeologist, the ship captain, the the, the doubting American archaeologist. I'm blanking on all the characters' names at the moment, but um, and then and then and then there's always in these creature movies, there's always a love triangle. There's always these two men after one woman in all three movies. Yeah. And then the creatures there, the gill man's there in, in the mix too, kind of like jockeying for a position here with, with the, with the lady and stuff like that. It's, it's interesting how that formula kept going all, all through the trilogy. Yeah. And then you get a uh, Clint Eastwood and revenge. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Crazy um, cameo. Absolutely. That was like the first or second little bit part he ever had. I think it's, like, um, yeah. I think that's one in tarantula was number two i think number two yeah um that's funny. here's a question see if you guys how good your memory is do you remember your first exposure to the gill man to the creature film first time i exposed myself to the gill man hang on <laughs> um probably last night yeah probably yeah, yeah i love it uh, no no um I think about this a lot. I think about when the monsters began in my life and I just remember them always being there. I know I was single digits. I know I was a blockbuster kid. I was dad renting videos from Hollywood video. We talk about this a lot, Ian, and how the VHS have come back in quite a, quite a, quite a, um, many ways. There's one right there. Um, there's a whole bunch of monster stuff right next to me, but, um, I think, yeah, I just remember watching him over and over and over. Yeah. That was, um, I can't really place it. I don't think I saw the sequels until later yeah. because they were hard to find. I remember. Yeah, yeah. So I got them when Ben Helsing. Whether you love, yeah. whether you love or hate Ben Helsing, we got the Legacy DVD. The Legacy collection that because of that. Yeah, legendary. Yeah. You know, if that's the kind of stuff. If my place is burning down, I'm going for the Legacy set. I'm going to grab those DVDs. They're hard to find. They're beautiful. Yeah. In, in terms of possessions, and. uh that's when I first saw the sequel. So it was many years later. I saw clips, but I had no idea until much mm-hmm. later. So it was always just Gilman over and over and over again. Yeah, I love that. I know um, I'm fortunate enough. I actually remember the order that I saw a lot of the films like when I was a kid. So yeah. 
I saw I saw a photo of Karloff at being made up uh, as the monster when I was like three, and I was instantly just obsessed and fascinated, and you know, playing twenty questions with my parents. And uh, this was like leading up to the Mummy ninety nine coming out, so they kind of recycled and re released the like the Big Eight on VHS. So the first one we found was the Mummy, so that was the first one I saw, and then we went, we'd go to Blockbuster like all the time. And my dad was kind of uh, skeezy in regards to um, he'd, we'd rent the films and he would record them over on a video. So he didn't have to buy them for me. And of course the, the, the first one that I, I was dying to see was Frankenstein because I'd seen the picture and um, I've told the story quite a few times, uh, but this does lead to me watching creature. I wanted Frankenstein. I wanted Frankenstein. So we go, I was like four years old. We go to Blockbuster. We find the 31 film, rent it. And we, we get home. It's the Kenneth Branagh, Mary Shelley. <laughs> <Shelley's laughs> yeah. They put the wrong and we watched tape it. in the wrong case. Yeah. Yeah. They just read Frankenstein. And, um, oh, I was so, I was like four or five. I was way too little for it to really affect me. Um, yeah. so we, we, had that recorded and then we also rented the wolfman and creature from the black lagoon so wolfman creature were like the and i had that tape forever and i'd watch like all three of those so creature was one of the first ones i saw um and i think we i got dracula and 43 phantom and it was like a couple years until i saw frankenstein um so yeah funny how it starts so i'm i'm a little older than you guys i was born in 74 so i was in like third grade or so before the vhs thing kind of right. happened and the first one i saw on video was I, I was staying with my brother it was i already had a job and he was in toledo and i um and 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 i was staying with him and he'd go to work during the day so he we'd go and he'd rent me a bunch of movies to watch during the day while i stayed alone and stuff and and the first one i remember renting the wolfman and i'd already read um, what what are the books the um, Crest, uh, yeah um, Crest House books or whatever oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Crestwood House yeah um, the orange um, yeah. My, my, my elementary school library had those yeah I read the stories about these guys but I'd never been able to see the movies but most of the movies I did see Dracula when I was little um, the first time I saw Creature I gotta talk about us on our episode is, is it they showed it on the local uh, TV station on like a Friday or Saturday night and they showed it in 3d. So, and it was the, 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 the blue red 3d. So you could go to like giant Eagle or whatever the, the grocery store was. And, and they had a thing where you could go to the grocery store and get your, your, your lenses, right. Your glasses to, to, to watch it with. Um, I didn't get a chance to get mine. So I, I went over to a friend's house and we were, we watched it. And that's as a young man, that's when I realized that you really, can't watch a movie very well that's in 3d when you don't have the glasses because we only had the one pair so we kept switching <laughs> back and forth and trading back and forth and and i just remember right. a lot of that movie just going like oh it's really hard to watch and getting queasy <laughs> but uh uh but that was the first time i saw that and then i think they showed they showed revenge on tv at some point locally oh, cool. uh, at, at some point too it was it was really cool but then um yeah, I don't think I saw Creature Walks Among Us until the Silvertop VHS series 
came out. I was, I was in college when those came out as in, in the, the waves. And, um, and it was, I'm staring at them right now. Um, that was when I, I really put the, the here, one, just one thing I love about the creature from Black Lagoon movies with in the universal canon it's a trilogy mm-hmm. yeah. it's not just a bunch of movies that just kind of kept going until they finally met Abbott yeah. and costello it's a trilogy and that's it it's a be- there's a beginning a middle and there's an end to to the creature to the gill man's story within the old universal canon and there's something really poetic and beautiful about that yeah i his ending is rough over the years i've chosen to believe that we didn't see his death so therefore he didn't die that is <laughs> yeah his- I agree. To say they couldn't. Right. And here's the other thing too. He can still swim. He can still yeah. just go. Right. Not, he doesn't have to die. But it's obvious <laughs> why it's super tragic that he wants to go back home and people took his means to breathe. Yeah. But I did see it in 3D at Alamo Draft House. Every mm-hmm. once in a while they bring it back. It's become I don't know if you guys have seen it, but they now kind of bring it back almost annually. Um and actually at, at that show, they had the screen was a, they had a QA with Julie in front of it. This was a few years ago at the Mile High Horror Film Festival, which is I mean, I'm in Colorado, Jim, in case you don't know, but, yeah. um, but I'd never seen it, but it, it, I thought it was beautiful 3D. It was, the, it was yeah. layered. So it was just, just, just exquisite. Well, well made. Um, I heard another funny thing talking with back to Rico real quick that I someone maybe the comments here can fact check this, but Rico said the three projectionists couldn't get it right. I've heard this before, mm-hmm. but what Rico said is a lot of the 3D, it, the movie opened in 3D, but a lot of theaters kicked the 3D after like a week. They said, forget it, because yep. it was too hard to get it to line up right. A lot of the kids were inexperienced running it. So, And by the way, when Rico saw it, it was, um, I think, in a local theater, and he had to pay for his ticket. He didn't get invited to the premiere. <laughs> oh, so, and like, no one knew he was him, and he I don't think he was the premiere or anything. So it, it carried on after the movie came yeah. out. But yeah, the, I, if you guys ever can, uh, I'm mean, to anybody, I would... I think it came last year, and I was—I happened to be actually in Universal, so I couldn't make it. But do see a Creature in 3D. It's real. It's yeah, a marvel, it's especially that was underwater. I mean, it's really beautiful. The fish coming at you. It's not CGI though. We're so used to CGI 3D coming at right. you. And this was real. So it was just—it yeah. was everything was just filling the filling the theater around you, including the including Gilly coming at yeah. you, which was yeah. That's it. Uh, at home with it, kill your eyes. You have to have the glasses, but yeah. That's cool. I, I I have a theory that I think a lot of the, even if you watched Creature in 2D, I, I think the nature of them filming it for 3D, 3D um, without being too gimmicky, like some of the 3D movies like House of Wax or something, there's just added scenes that are obviously there just to exploit the 3D, right? Um, Gilman, or, uh, Creature was shot so tastefully and not like with those, as many of those gimmicks, but it was shot to be in 3D. So lensing it, they, they really accounted for depth and, and, and foreshortening and, and things coming in. So many old sites, I mean, the, the typical, like the Ed Wood thing, where there's just two people standing here talking to each other in a scene, and the scene just, the camera's just rolling, and they do the whole scene, and it's just dead, right? There's no depth, there's no <laughs> proportion to it. Um, I think in shooting it for 3D, they managed to kind of, Jack, Jack Arnold kind of managed to break out of that a little bit and film it in a dynamic way that's a lot more like a contemporary film is made um, on, on, on an axis. And I think that whether even if you watch it in 2D or 3D, that, that, that just heightened the dynamicness of the film in general. And it's probably just another reason that it just, you know, it, 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 it has lasted when so many other sci-fi mo- films that were made in that era uh, have kind of, you know, gone a little more obscure. 
And it's funny if you think about how many aquatic monsters are out there, and they were people, they were, they were men in suits. Yeah. And I have a special fondness for them because of Gilly. But if you think about it, even by 50 standards to now standards, I can't, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of any kind of swimming or action underwater with someone in a suit that was nearly as good as Rico. I mean, yes, there's Jaws and stuff, but I mean like in a suit swimming and how vibrant it looked and how rich and ball, you know, ballet-esque. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's, I think, the thing that captivates people when they first, I've, I've shown, I've, I've shown that movie to many people for the first time. Yeah. And they kind of want to laugh at it, but it gets to those scenes, you kind of kind of forget. You're, you're just yeah. watching him be. It's that's beautiful. What, that's yeah. what great is, but. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, it, I was racking my brain earlier trying to think of, you know, is there, what else is there that you could compare this to? And there's nothing. Like, I mean, you get the Gill man, he shows up in uh, Monster Squad, but yeah, he's never really in the water. Yeah. Um, kind of shows yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. And the suit's great. Don't get me wrong. Monster Squad kicks ass. But um, yeah, it, you don't get this depth. And I think without Riku, this movie just wouldn't have worked as well as it did. So that's, it's just, uh, it's really fascinating to me. Yeah, I I think the fact that the three of us are sitting here talking about this, (laughs) it's like, how freaking awesome is that? Like, we're having this conversation and, you know, you're in Colorado and you're in L.A. and I'm in Virginia. We're in three different time zones and we're here talking about Riku Browning and right. Creature from the Black Lagoon from, you know, 60, 70 years ago. And uh, it's just, there's nothing, nothing like it. And, you know, different generations. Like, Jim, you know, you're in your 40s and um, you're in your 30s. I'm 29. Like, this, it, it never goes away. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing else fandom-wise, genre-wise. Uh, that lasts this long. Um, so it, it's just, I could go on, but you know what I mean? Like, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. For sure. I, I, and going back to what you said in the beginning, Ian, um, I was just in kind of Jim's neck of the woods. We did that quick vacation and I was in Universal Studios when I heard about Rico. It was actually our good buddy, Brian of Uni Monsters. Brian, if you're here, hi, buddy. I love you. What's up, buddy? He texted me. Cause we were gonna meet up with him later that day. Hey man, Austin, I think Rico passed. And I'm like, no way. Yeah. I was in Universal about to ride Mummy, so a Universal ride, and yeah. I found out about my a, a Universal brother. So the news was broken to me about as best as it possibly could be for being a life lifelong Gilman fan. But I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, and going and then Disney is celebrating. We were in Disneyland for a day. Disneyland celebrating 100 years this year. I didn't know we did a Warner Brothers tour. They're celebrating 100 years this year. Yeah. And we got Hunchback in September kicking off 100 years of Universal mm-hmm. Monsters. 2023 is killing it for, for 100 years. Absolutely. Um, there he is, hey, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Blackheart. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anything else you guys want to talk about? Riku, any final thoughts, anything? I think you summed it up really well, Ian. I, I just just the, the longevity of this thing when so many other movies, there were, there were perfectly great movies of similar type, type similar era, or whatever. Um, and, and you can extend this to all the, the big yeah. universal films, too. Like, you know, sure. you know, yeah, yeah, we delve into a lot of like the smaller 
more obscure like night monster you know jungle woman. stuff on the podcast <laughs> yeah jungle woman exactly we have fun with those but like hmm. some of these just left you could call it a mark some of them left a scar on pop culture i mean they just they just put put it in there and have never have never managed to go in and it's it's just cool for me as someone who grew up in the 80s loved digging these which like I was nerdy then for liking old movies then, right? I mean, yeah. not everyone did, but everyone, everyone was into uh, Freddy Krueger and 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 Jason and stuff. But I was into those too. But I also had this pocket here, like from these things. Um, and that that you guys are younger, and then like all the people listening to this and stuff of all different ages and stuff. Um, again, this is like you know, America. We're a culture with of different ideologies and thoughts and and you know opinions on things and stuff. And I think these things that everyone can unite on that that span generations and ideologies and politics and stuff and thoughts um these are wonderful things that we have and 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 anything that that we can share like this is is just a wonderful good thing and if it's about a aquatic monster who who wreaks vengeance on a bunch of humans who have intruded into this thing then so be it that's what it is it, it's it's just as valid as anything else so i'm just i'm so i'm happy i'm happy you guys do what you do on your on your instagram accounts i love like the stuff you guys post i really enjoy like logging in and 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 checking what you guys do and stuff like that and it's just it's awesome that there's so many like-minded folks out there uh loving the things we do and ian thanks for having me on this is great yeah absolutely yeah thank you for doing this Ian. I, yeah. yeah this yeah. I, I you know i don't know if you caught this at the beginning awesome where i'm I said to Jim, like this, this just felt important. And, you know, we've done plenty of live streams and there's, you know, 60 episodes of Borgo Pass and, and everything is relevant and everything has value and everything has a purpose. I think losing Riku this past week, I, I don't want to make light of this. I, I didn't really feel sad. It wasn't like, oh man, you know, he's 93, he's gone. Of course that, but I just felt, yeah. felt like, what a life this guy lived. Yeah. And how awesome that we were alive to experience this. And, um, you know, so he, he met so many people and so many fans. And um, that's just, this felt very important. I think, Jim, you've talked a lot about this and, and you're on the podcast with the big films. You know, you feel like you don't really need to carry a torch for Frankenstein and, and Dracula. I've, I felt like with, I felt I needed to do this for Riku mm -hmm. because the average person may know Lugosi and may know Karloff, um, Ron Chaney Jr. and Sr. But most people don't know who Riku Browning is. And, um, it, you know, a, a lot of us in, in the fandom, of course, know who he is. And, that sort of thing. But um, Average Joe doesn't know Riku Browning. And, you know, you go from Creature to uh, Flipper to uh, his James Bond films to Caddyshack. And it's like yeah. he had a hand in all of these. And, like, how awesome is that? So it's it's about the legacy. It's about honoring him, making sure that these legends never die. They're always going to be on the films. But I just feel like we got to get the names out there. And they're never going to go away. So. Thank you guys. Thank you both for joining. Um, this was huge. This was a lot of fun. So um, we'll have to do this again sometime. I know like yeah. I said uh, at the beginning, the um, last time I did one of these, we are the monster episodes. It was like June, 2021. It was Gemini. 
Um, so I've been away too long and this was great. So we'll have to do this again. So um, I'm Ian the Wolfman, host of Universal Studios Monsters. I'm here with Jim Towns from Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Uh, this is Austin Gill Hill. Um, follow his page on Discovered. And uh, he's also one of the six faces behind the brilliant, our sister, uh, brother and sister um, account, Universal Monsters Universe. So this was uh, Riku Browning, a celebration of life. Long live Riku. Uh, thanks so much for watching, guys. And you'll see us again real soon. Y'all take care. Thank you for listening to this episode, but the fun does not stop here. You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of Shadow Camera Film and Entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Gould. Opening and closing narration are by me, Kat Herons. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Podcast.